It is the Lord's Day. It is day 93 of our effort. And I want to tell you this morning, and I want you to hear this morning, and I want you to be certain today, we have good news. Now, you may think or you may be of the recent opinion that we are lacking today when it comes to good news. As we look around, the world would have us believe, in fact, that there is no good news. But that doesn't change the truth. We have good news today. Now, sadly, we have become depressed, discouraged, downtrodden, disillusioned, disheartened because we've lost sight of the fact that we have good news today. And though the world tries to hide it, and then the, as the culture tries not to accept it, and as Satan tries to steal it, again, it doesn't change the truth. We have good news today. Now, let me tell you this morning, it's not going to be on CNN. It's not going to be on Fox. It's not going to be in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. In fact, it will not be on any of the news outlets because it's not the type of news that they let out. But nonetheless, listen, we have good news. Now, I want to warn you this morning, it is not Republican good news. It is not Democratic good news. It is not even third-party good news. It's not American good news, but it is good news. Are you listening this morning? Are you ready this morning? We have good news, and the good news is Jesus Christ is alive today. Right now and forevermore, Jesus, our Savior, is alive. Let me tell you something this morning. And after that, everything else is going to be all right. Everything else is going to be okay. We have good news. Jesus is alive today. Today our message is entitled, I'm going to run out of voice before I get started. Today our message is entitled, Good News, He's Not Here. Good News, He's Not Here. Today our verses are found in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Good news, He's not here. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> chapter 20, beginning in the first verse. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the white linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again 
to their own homes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we are thankful for 93 opportunities to hear your word. We're thankful for the grace that you've shown us, the kindness that you've shown us as you've revealed yourself to us, our marvelous Savior through your word. Lord, I pray that the impact has been great. I believe it has been. I pray, Lord, that the impact would not stop in these days, but would continue forward. And Lord, now I come and I pray for these last seven days. I pray, Lord, that you would move. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak. I pray, Lord God, that it would be undeniable that you're meeting with your people, that your word is living and active. I pray, Lord, that we would be changed. I pray for a revival to break out. I pray for lost folks to be saved. And I pray for Jesus to be glorified in it. Lord, I come and I ask on this 93rd day as I did before we ever started, that you would do exceedingly abundantly more than we would ask or think. Lord, you have that power. Lord, I pray today that we, as we look in your word today, I pray that we would see we have good news. I pray that we would be filled with the good news, that we would be consumed, shaped by the good news. I pray we'd be declares of that good news. Help us in that. Lord, I pray if somebody doesn't know you on this very day, that today in the hearing of a risen Savior, that today they turn to you and they trust you in faith. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> today, for the first installment of the resurrection account from John, we are faced with the reality that the tomb is empty. Now, not yet do we have an appearance of Christ. Not yet do we have an announcement from angels. But this first installment of John's record reveals to us very simply that the tomb is no longer occupied. The tomb is empty. Now, let's go to our verses this morning and we'll let them speak. Now, before we do, let me just say this to you as, you're, as we're getting ready for that. Let me say this. Congratulations. Not only are we getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but today we're going to celebrate Easter as well. And so in November, let me tell you, happy Easter this morning as we go to our verses. Verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Let me read that again. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. The verse starts with the word now, now. Now this is an awesome word. This is a powerful word. This is a very telling word. In the original language, it is a connecting word. It is also a word of contrast. It means but rather, that's what it means. It's a connecting word. It's a word of contrast. It means, but rather. Now, what it means is, it is no longer like that, but rather, it's like this. Now, that's what it means. Now, the reason John starts off with this word is to set this off. The reason he starts off with this word is to mark a change that has occurred, and that's what's happening here at the start of the 20th chapter. 
he is marking a change that has occurred. Now, follow with me. On Friday, the tomb was shut, but now it is open. On Friday, the tomb was filled. Now it is empty. On Friday, the tomb was a place of darkness. Now, literally, as the sun has come up, it has become a beacon of light. On Friday, a tomb was a place of grief and mourning. Now, it was a place of joy and victory. And so what a great word it is. He starts marking the change. Now, there has been a change. Listen to me this morning. As believers, we should grab that word ourselves and make it our own. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that, but we ought to take that word and we ought to make it our own. You see, that is in Jesus, our word as well. Listen to me. You see, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And whatever was ruined in sin by faith in Jesus is now made new. That's almost a one-word sermon. Now, <clears throat> the verse goes on. Now on the first day of the week, I want to I say something right here. As believers in the tradition of the church, we are everyday worshipers. Yes, every day we have something to celebrate. Every day we have a risen Savior. As Christians, we are everyday worshipers. But in the church, we are also first day worshipers. This is our Lord's day. It is the day that we celebrate a risen Savior. It is the day that the tomb is empty. Now, I don't know why, but for some reason, people always want to go back and they want to pick up the Sabbath rules. And they want to go back and say, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. Listen to me, friends, our Sabbath is Jesus. Our rest is in Jesus. And so now we celebrate the risen Jesus on the first day of the week. It is the Lord's day. Back to verse one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. <clears throat> now the other gospel accounts record, as the sun is coming up, there is a group of women that are coming. It may be three, it may be four, we're not sure, but there is a, at least a group of women that are coming to the tomb. The Bible says they are bringing spices and they are going to further anoint the body of Jesus with these spices. Evidently, the men didn't do it right, so they're going to come and redo it. John reports Mary Magdalene gets there first. Now, we're not sure the reason. Perhaps she left earlier. We're not sure she gets there first. And when she gets there, the stone is already taken away. There is this huge stone. The grave, remember, is cut into the side of a rock, and this stone is rolled in front of it. Well, when she gets there, the stone is already taken away. Now, this is not normal. That was not expected. But understand, it is key for our day today, for our study today. 
You see, be sure and understand this. The stone did not have to open to let Jesus out. No, the stone had to be opened so the about-to-form church could see in. Be sure and understand that. Jesus didn't need anybody to let him out. He didn't need a stone to be rolled away. He could go through the stone if that's what he desired. And so understand, the stone's not rolled away that Jesus could get out. The stone is rolled away that the witnesses could see in. And that's what's happened here. The stone is open, and so these folks can be witness to the miracle of the resurrection. The tomb is empty. And so the revelation of the day begins with a stone that is rolled away. When she gets there, the grave is open. Verse 2. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. In verse 2, the Greek word for ran, see this, it translates to run wide open. It translates an intense desire to arrive. Think about that. An intense desire to arrive. It also translates like an athlete speedily. Now, I've never done any of those three things, but that's what it means. She takes off. That's what the verse says. She, she runs wide open. She runs. She's intent on getting where she's going. Now, evidently, she passes the other women that are coming. I don't know if it's too dark or I don't know if she's going too fast, but she goes by them and goes back. She passes them and she runs. She runs wide open. She gets to Peter. The Bible says, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. Remember, that's talking about John. He never names himself. It's referring to John. She says to them what only makes sense to her. They've stolen the body of Jesus. They've taken, the, the, the stones rolled away. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've laid him. We don't know where to find him. Understand so far, the only verifiable news is the grave is open. When she got there, the grave was open. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. It's a high traffic morning that morning. Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. Now think about it. Their brains start to wonder what has happened, what is going on at the tomb. Did somebody steal the body? Is this a trick? Is this a ploy? They start to wonder, and so they start to make their way toward the tomb. Verse 4. <clears throat> the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. It's the same word. They're running wide open. They have an intense desire to get where they were going. Now, for all of the ages, John takes a pot shot at Peter, and he says he's slow. Everybody from now on will know he's the lineman. He's slow. He was feisty, but he wasn't going to get there very quickly. He's slow. John reports he gets there first. 
He runs. This is the issue at hand. He's not worried about hurting Peter's feelings. He wants to get there. He wants to know what is happening at the tomb. And so he runs and he gets there first. Verse five. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. So the, the verse says he runs wide open. He's intent on getting there. But when he gets there, he stoops and looks in. Now I want you to understand this is still a grave. It's still the grave of Jesus. There, there, there's still a terrible scene in his mind of Jesus being placed in the grave. And so he gets there. He wants to see what's going on, but it's, it's still a grave. And so he stops and not sure of what he'll see, he peers in. The Bible says he sees the linen wrappings there, but again, he does not go in. Now think about that. As he's thinking, as he is processing, surely grave robbers would not unwrap the body, would they? Surely grave robbers, surely those that were maybe sent by the Jews to carry out some ploy, surely they wouldn't take time to unwrap the body, would they? The thing to notice here already is this. The body of Jesus is gone. So the first verification is the tomb is open. The second is this. The body's gone. They see the linens, but the body of Jesus is gone. Verse six. <clears throat> and so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there. Verse 6, Peter finally gets there. I like this. Peter's always quick to act, impetuous Peter. And so he crashes in. He runs up and he goes in. Where, where John is peering in, he goes on in. And it says when he gets in, he sees the wrappings lying there. Again, the body of Jesus is gone and the linen wrappings are lying there. Verse 7. And the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. As he surveys closer, he sees the face cloth, the piece that was used to wrap Jesus' head, is not with the other linens, but instead it is folded up, it is rolled up and placed by itself. Understand, it is an orderly scene. It is not hastily done, not as robbers or not as somebody in a hurry. It is an orderly scene. I wonder who folded that up. There's there some stories, and some of them are kind of goofy about, about what that means. But I, I wonder who folded that up. The testimony of Scripture is when they came in, it was separate, and it was rolled up. Wasn't it an angel assisting Jesus? Did he, did he take it from Jesus? And did he, does, does he roll it up and set it to the side? I wonder if it was an angel assisting. Or was it Jesus? 
Now full of peace, enjoying full peace. There's no suffering ahead for him. The cross is behind him. He'll never face that again. Does he fold it up calm now in his finished work? There's no need to rush. So he folds it up. Does he smile as he lays it aside? Verse eight. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered. And when he saw, he believed. And so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered. And he saw and believed. Now the Bible says John comes in spurred on by the boldness of his close friend. He steps in and he looks around and he sees what has happened. The Bible says at that point, he believes. He comes in a little bit later. He sees what Peter has, has observed. And as he sees, the Bible says he believes. Now, here's a question. What does he believe? What does he believe? Does he believe the grave is empty? Because it now surely is. Does he believe the robbers have taken him? Does he believe some plot has unfolded? Does he believe the gospel? It says he believes. What does he believe? It's explained in the next verse, verse 9. For as yet <clears throat> they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The key is in that Phrase for as yet, it means until then. For until then, or until that point, they did not understand. He could not understand. He could not put it together that he must rise again from the dead. Listen to me, this is talking about the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus would die for sin, that Jesus would die in the place of sinners, that he would be placed in a grave and that three days later, he would live again. Jesus told him that, that is the truth of the gospel. Well, now when he's in the tomb, he now sees it. He now understands it. And now he believes he had to rise again. It is the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> See this, the empty tomb itself was testifying. Now, only God could do that. The words of God have proved true. The words of Jesus have held true. They always do. And now even the empty tomb is testifying. And Luke, it says that the rocks will cry out in praise well, here, even the empty tomb is testifying. Now, I want you to see something. Understand, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have a twofold witness. In the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have a double-sided testimony. See today, the cross declares sin has a cost. The empty tomb declares Sin has a remedy. The cross declares the payment is no less than death. 
The empty tomb declares the receipt for the payment is held in hand. The cross declares Jesus died our death. The empty tomb declares Jesus has the power of life. The cross declares for sin God's wrath is full. The empty tomb declares God's grace is greater than all our sin. The cross declares Jesus is faithful. Does it ever? Jesus is faithful. The empty tomb declares Jesus is Savior. The cross declares Jesus is the Lamb that carries away the sin of the world. The empty tomb declares the Lamb is the victor. Listen to me. Praise the Lord for the double witness of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. He is the lamb. The lamb is victorious. We have our Savior in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Even the tomb will testify. Verse 10. So the disciples went away again to their homes. Now that seems like a crazy response to me. Seems like an odd response to me. So the disciples went away again to their homes. Now the the other gospel says they were bewildered, that's for sure. The other gospel says they were marveling at these things, considering these things. And so shocked upon this finding, the tomb is empty They go to their own home. Here's the question. John, watch this, not seeing Jesus, but seeing the empty tomb believed. Here's the question for us today. Are we believing today? Are you believing today? The tomb is empty. The testimony stands true. Jesus is not there. We're going to see he's alive. He is risen. Here's the question. Are you trusting Jesus today? Are you believing Jesus today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for the truth of Scripture. We're thankful for the truth of what Scripture reports to us. We have a risen Savior. Our hope stands. The receipt is issued Jesus has defeated death. He's the victor. And so we come on this day and we celebrate a risen Savior, a hope established, finished, reigning in Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would believe. I pray like John that our, our, faith, our faith will be strengthened. And I pray for some that do not know you. I pray that today some who have not trusted you, I pray today in the hearing of the good news of a risen Savior, that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, work in their hearts, move in their midst, remove any hindrance. I pray today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and we just trust this all to you. We pray in this time of invitation again that you would work, that you would move. I know that you will. But we tell you, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for enduring the cross for passing through the tomb and then standing as my king, my victor, our hope today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name, amen. We're gonna close our service this morning with a time of response, a time of invitation. I wanna tell you there is a, a truth to respond to and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach 
not for the passing on of information. We preach not that you would leave with better understanding. Those things are true, but we preach for a decision that you would understand we have hope alone in Jesus, that we have the forgiveness of sin alone in Jesus, and that in hearing the truth of Jesus, that you might turn to Jesus. I want to tell you the good news is this. We have all sinned, all of us, each of us. In our sin, we've earned a punishment, death, separation from God now, and if we die in that state for all eternity, the second death, the book of Revelation says. The good news is God sees you. He sees me in our, in our sin. The Bible says he loves us yet while we were in our sin. And he sends his only begotten son. He goes to the cross of Calvary, never having sinned, that he can offer himself in your place, in my place. That's what he does at the cross of Calvary. Never having sinned, he goes and he goes and he dies your death and my death, takes your punishment, my punishment, and he settles it and it's paid there. He actually dies. We've seen that for two days. They pull him out and they put him in a grave. He's actually physically dead. The price is paid in Jesus. But on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene made her way there. And when she got there, the stone was rolled away and he was not there. He is alive. He is risen. That is the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you'll believe that, trust that in faith, claiming him as the Savior for sin, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll renew you today. Not of any work that you need to do, not of anything we need to check off, but by trusting in Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. My call is this, trust him today. Turn to him today. He'll save you today. His grace is offered to you today in the person of Jesus Christ. Trust him today. If you follow Christ, but you never followed a believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and to, to have that testimony stand in your life. It'll be a day of celebration. We'll celebrate who Jesus is. If you've never done that, the Bible says it's always by immersion, always after the point that we're saved, not part of our salvation. You come as well. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you to this fellowship, you come as well. Maybe on this Sunday, this Lord's Day, you want to come and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or no one would head for an exit, but that you'd pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you this morning, if you have a decision to make this morning, as we stand and sing, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.